show. I, I can tell you exactly the last time I cleaned mine. You guys can't see it, but right back here is my uh, certificate for carbine uh, with Costa. And it was October 18th through the 20th of 2019. And I cleaned it after each day at the, uh, at the range. So October 20th of 2019 was the last time this gun was cleaned. <laughs> So not too long ago. Yeah, it's not bad. I think I've had mine for five years, and it's been cleaned once. Sounds this about one, right. Once. This one was the uh, the one that was the star of my uh, mud video. Nice. Yes. I, I've changed it up quite a bit since then, but it was the one that I used in the uh, crawling through the mud video. I still can't believe you did that. That was crazy. But it was probably the most realistic mud test oh, yeah. that has it ever was, been made on, a, on an AK. I, I think it was actually uh, over the top. I think if I was to actually do it realistically, I would have carried the gun the way that they teach you to carry it in the military where you hold it on top of your arm. I wouldn't have been pushing it into the mud. But uh, it, it was over the top. But it was over the top to show that it's not, it's not the the end all be all that some people claim it to be. It's a great gun, it's a great platform, but it's not, it's not foolproof. Yeah. But nothing is. I mean, if I would have done that with a, an AR, I think it would have been, probably would have choked too because it was just that was such a wet, sloppy mess. I mean, I had just tilled it. And then I had watered it for two days straight. I mean, it was there. It was soup. So I think it would have even gotten into an AR. And if I would have had the dust cover open, it would have been done. So, well, you know, there, somebody did do a video. We could clean these, just take them apart and throw them in the dishwasher, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Make sure <laughs> you while, use vodka. While, while playing the uh, Romanian national yep. anthem. <laughs> but, you know, that video didn't take off as well as I thought it was going to. I mean, I, I was gonna have to, did you I still mean, have it? I, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I made it on my iPhone using movies, the iMovies app, and it made it into just like this cube. It wasn't like a full-fledged video uh -huh. that, you know, full size. And so it, it kind of dumbed it down. And then apparently the Romanian national anthem is copyrighted. Who knew? Um, <laughs> but it got flagged on on youtube and on facebook and on instagram and it just it was you know all these social media pages were against me from the very start with that oh, thing geez. just because the the music was copyrighted so hmm. i don't know it that was frustrating but i thought it was an excellent video at least our group got to enjoy it for right the one day that it was up well we can we can try read we can put it out again, I guess, before this comes <laughs> out. If you, hey, here's a little teaser for what's coming up, and then <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, we'll, see I'll see if I can dredge it up somewhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe we can find some royalty-free music or something or something similar to throw <laughs> on top of it and see if we can avoid having the hassle of what you had to deal with. Right. No, that was that was. I even made like a. I don't know if you guys saw the motor oil i used and i covered it up with a little label that said um uh oh what did it say 
blood eagle dinosaurs or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> oh, uh, I miss doing that stuff. We miss having you do that stuff. <laughs> All I do is work anymore. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, adulting right somebody wanted to get a new job yeah and they didn't want it to be in arkansas for some reason oh dude don't don't even start (laughs) (laughs) um we have i don't know my parents retired here and we have a very great group of friends uh through our church and there's about seven families. We go camping together every year. Um, you know, there's, I can move all around the country trying to climb the corporate ladder. You know, could have done it with Walmart, could have tried to do it with, I could try to do it with Nucor. Um, but there's so much more to wealth that is above money. Um, and that's having a very close knit family and a very good circle of friends. Um, you know, I've, I have two social circles and one is church, one is podcast. And I love you guys to death, um, but you're all over the country. I, I'd have to, you know, if I, I couldn't pick and choose which one I wanted to move and, and you know, close to. Obviously, Bo, um, you're my first choice, but uh, better be. no, offense, no offense to anybody else. But uh, I, I don't know. We're, we're very much planted and rooted here. Um, I struggle with putting my career over the family and friends we have um, in Fort Wayne, but it doesn't mean I don't want to buy a hundred acres and build a house on it either. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where the road goes ahead of time, but I was talking to Steve um, yesterday and he's, he's fully retired. Um, he's made it with cryptocurrency. Uh, he's, paying off all of his debt, including their house. Um, he's buying his new, he's buying a brand new Jeep Gladiator um, and letting the rest ride out, but they are completely debt-free. Uh, that's kind of where I'm, I'm trying to be in the next five years. Uh, Steve has always said I'm like one to two cycles, you know, bull run cycles behind him, but I don't know. Uh, I want to try to get debt-free by December. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a good chance that's going to happen, but um retirement not so much but i would love nothing more than to retire and just be able to travel come down and see bo um go over and see derek over in ohio and uh sorry not david keep doing that um i don't think that's ever gonna stop sorry david right here i do i'm sorry it's the name of your doppelganger um you know, uh, go down to Tennessee or uh, Kentucky and see uh, Keith Staples. I still owe him a, a birthday trip, but just be able to travel, be able to be free to podcast and hang out with you guys. That's that's the dream. I'm not uh, I'm not cryptocurrency, and I'm not looking to to be debt free anytime soon. But hopefully, I've got ten years and about six months until I can retire and that'll be retiring with full benefits at like 56, 55. I'll I'll be almost 56 years old when I retire. And 
we are in the process of refinancing the house at a lower interest rate, which is going to knock about seven years off of our note. So I won't be debt free when I retire, but all I will have is a house payment. So, and it's not, it's, be. it's not expensive. So, I mean, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm so close. I mean, 10 years sounds a long ways away for some people, but and 10 years is nothing. And right. I'm already, I'm making plans for the Appalachian trail. I'm making plans for the Pacific crest trail. You know, I'm making, I'm making long-term plans that are 10 years out right now because it's just, it's basically that sure of a thing. As long as I don't die between now and then I'm golden. No, that's awesome. I mean, it's definitely more than one way to retirement, but you know, having a long career with one company or, you know, in your instance, the state, um, it pays off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 28 years, I'll be able to walk out the door with the full pension. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I've only got 10 and a half to go. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm ready to rock it on. I'm hoping that maybe between now and then they'll offer like a early retirement to get some of us guys out of there so that they can restructure or something. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it happens, but I've got my fingers crossed. I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll go early if you want me to. It'll happen the year after you retire. Probably. And they'll <laughs> yeah. get extra money instead of like a penalty or something. Right. Do you plan to stay with, uh, with the city that is up in the air uh the wife's doing school right now so after she's done i'm being forced into it so by the time i get in there and use up my gi bill and come out with something else that's not going to be in my current profession i'll do a uh cost analysis on whether what I would get paid in the new in a new career if it'd be worth giving up what I've put into you know pensions and everything else and just switching and doing that or if it'd be worth writing you know also it depends on what time I get done with it if I'm done with my degree and I still have you know only a few more years I'll just write it out and then get my pension and then go ahead and just jump over to the other career field but it it's all up in the air right now right now i wouldn't mind switching jobs but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's a tough political environment to be yeah. an officer in yeah well and everybody around us makes a lot more money than us and <laughs> but i've got just really i guess just with being a an instructor for the dts and stuff i really enjoy that so I know if I go somewhere else, I'm not going to be able to do that. So that kind of, and I'm just too old to keep jumping around jobs. So I've only got about one more in me. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, I, I told Nucor I was looking for a company to settle down with and retire. Um, you know, I thought Walmart was it, but uh, Nucor seems to be pretty good. But I start to see them making a lot of the same mistakes that Walmart was making uh, as far as like their hiring process, training um, benefits and pay and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's hard to stand by and watch. It's like, I really don't want to have to keep jumping jobs simply because 
the company, it seems to be that when, you know, so Walmart with Sam Walton, um, Nucor with, uh, what's his name? Is it Kurt Iverson or, uh, I'm still learning their history. Um, Henry Ford from Ford Motor Company. Uh, when the person that creates the company and puts their blood, sweat, and tears into creating a great corporation, when that person dies off or leaves, something happens to that organization where some board of directors takes it over. Um, they bring in an executive that's not a part of the family mm-hmm. uh, to run things. And all of a sudden it goes in this different direction that goes away from what made the company great to work for, right. what made it gr- you know, great to be an employee. And they start looking for ways to save money and increase their stock price and value and stuff. Um, it's a terrible thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens with Amazon, with Jeff Bezos leaving. Uh, but no, it's just, it's sad in a way, you know, you, you do all this work to take care of a company and take care of the people. And all of a sudden, Nobody wants to work there anymore. You have to say why. Right. I'm pretty lucky with the fact that I fell into a government organization. I mean, don't get me wrong. The government organization I work for has tried to starve you to death when you first start. I mean, their their starting salary is ridiculous. They are just now getting to where they are competitive with, like, no kidding, in my area. We are just now starting to be competitive with like McDonald's and gas stations because we have always had a lower pay starting pay than that. Because the thing was, is if you came to work for us, you came to work for us because you wanted to, because you wanted a career. It wasn't, oh, this is a job where I can make a lot of money. So we, we were, or I, I guess was lucky that, you know, I made it through the the thin years where they try to starve you to death. Uh, but I, I, I have to deal with political, the, the way that the political winds are blowing, uh, but not to the same point that like a private corporation does, you know, a private corporation could come in and say, today is from now on going to be blue hair Tuesday. And you've got to have blue hair on Tuesday and you've either got to suck that up and do it, or you got to quit or go somewhere else. The, the bureaucracy that's tied up into a government organization. I mean, it sucks. I don't like some of the like computer programs that they're switching to. I don't like some of the stuff, but I mean, I'm just, I'm too far vested to worry about anything else. I go to work every day and they tell me, Hey, do this. I'm like, yes, sir. I'll try to get it done just as soon as possible because I'm just, I'm not riding it out, but I'm doing everything I can to ride it out, if that makes sense. I'm not just going to make a paycheck. I go and I try and I work hard, but I just don't, I don't want to hop around. I don't want to start over. I'm, I'm where I'm at and I'm going to do the best job I can do for the next 10 years. And then I'm out of there. So luckily I don't have to deal with as much as a, corporation does but i still have to deal with crap it's just it's a different type of crap mm-hmm. fun stuff yeah now that we've bored everyone to death with freaking finances <laughs> and retirement let's get to the good stuff we'll have to cut like the first 20 minutes of this out <laughs> just warming up that's all it is well, everybody's got to know what's been going on with eric 
You haven't been around. Oh. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a lot to cover and there's not a lot to cover. Um, the career change has really been what's impacted me the most working five to six days a week when I used to work three, um, not having a whole lot of time off. Uh, any time, any free time that I have, I spent with family because it's usually from when I wake up at three in the afternoon until I go to work at 8 p.m. Um, it's basically eat, sleep, haul the kids around to their extracurricular activities, feed them and go to work. And um, that's the life Monday through Saturday. Um, you know, I, I actually, I have been getting a lot more sleep than I did when I worked on first shift. Um, you know, Lucy's been great, uh, letting me sleep and, um, my parents have helped out quite a bit. Even one of Lucy's friends has come over and taken the kids home with her. Um, and I have been getting about seven to eight hours, so I, I'm well rested. Um, but work has been challenging. Uh, learning something completely different than anything else I've ever done. Uh, I've made some good improvements. There's some areas where Walmart helped get me certified uh, and educated in like lean management, Six Sigma, um, um, loss management, that kind of stuff, where it's helped me look at a production line and look at it on how do you run it more efficiently. And um, what I'm hoping to is to work it, to make it so efficient that we, don't have to work Saturdays anymore. That's kind of my goal. Uh, I want to have a two-day weekend. And so that's kind of what I'm pushing myself for. Um, all the guys are on board with it too, because they're all tired of working Saturdays. But Nucor has jobs booked, customers booked out through May of 2022. Um, and we're currently running on like a 34-week out schedule where a lot of other competitors are over a year. So we're starting to get jobs from other competitors. So I don't know it's it's just been interesting learning the business side of it tons of meetings and crap like that but i've been putting in 55 to 60 hours a week um haven't had much time for the gun life uh the money's good so i've um you know got some dividends from uh a bitcoin that i'm i'm loaning out for interest um so that's been cool uh been able to help pay for some extra gun stuff and make it some modifications I've made upgrades to almost every single one of my guns, um, but just it's one of those things. I've got the money to to build up the armory a little bit, um, sitting on a couple thousand rounds of AK, which is a good thing I did because now with that that uh, ban on ammo and firearms, I'm I'm sitting pretty good. Uh, but it's just I don't have time to enjoy all that stuff anymore. I only talk to Steve maybe once or twice a month. Uh, he's kind of gone into his own little hole of uh, his family. So it's kind of been hard. I don't feel like I've lost his friendship by any means. It's one of those things like we'll probably just pick up right where we left off. But um, I've been so busy working. I, I mean, I can't even go meet him for beers at nine o'clock at night because I got to go to work the next day or I am or else I'm already at work. So uh, that, that's been hard just being an office of schedules from him and feeling like I've lost my best friend a little bit. But uh, I'm keeping plenty busy. Uh, Mercedes took a dump and I'm thinking about training it in. I'm about done with it. I've almost put as much repair costs into that car as what I bought it for. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm there. Uh, it's going to be down for another week. I'm waiting for parts to come in. I'm fixing it myself because I found, uh, uh, I've got some oil seepage by the valve covers and cylinder six was misfiring when I pulled it. Um, 
it was covered in oil. So the, the, the bigger thing behind that is when I started pulling the intake off and I looked where cylinder six was in that oil seepage, there is a uh, valve cover screw that's missing. And then on the coil, the ignition coil for cylinder six had a screw missing that was holding the coil down on the, on the valve cover. Um, so I don't know who forgot to put some screws back where they belong, but it caused me some problems, but I, you know, I can't both Mercedes and, um, another place in town here, McMahon's best one. They both had their hands in it. Uh, when I had all those issues last year and I stuck a bunch of money into it and I, at this point I'm just over it. So that's going to be going by the wayside. Um, I'll probably wait till the end of the year when see what cryptocurrency does. Cause usually by January, everything tanks as everyone's cashing out and paying taxes and all that crap. So we'll see where I'm at, but that's the latest with me. Give me just a minute. I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. So I have something to drink cause I'm getting dry throat and <laughs> I'll be right back. All right. Now we can talk about, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in case anybody didn't notice, my internet's crapping on me again. So it was freezing. It's hard not taking pictures of everybody's face when it freezes. We were having a little too much fun with that last time it happened. <laughs> I was going to, and then I got the notification that the uh, meeting is going to run out in 10 minutes unless I upgrade. So that's what I'm doing right now. Upgrading, or are we just going to sign off and then re-sign in? and uh start over uh i think i'm out of minutes or something on zoom or something i don't know gotcha i know steve and i and probably our first 10 episodes uh, we couldn't afford to pay for the upgraded software and so we could only record for 20 minutes at a time and so we would hit that 20 minutes and and stop and then we would start a new recording <laughs> start that 20 minutes over and we would piece together each of the each of the recordings to put the episode together nice. oh it says mr pixel left yeah he's having internet trouble uh oh oh imagine, uh, imagine that i talk about it and then it happens <laughs> <laughs> oh hey there he is yeah uh, i think i'm going to follow bo's lead and grab a grab a drink too there you go right. oh you switch guns well, that's what I was going to show you. Uh, I, I made for sure to grab this too because this has my defender on it. But go get your shit and come back and we'll talk. All right. I, I got my earbuds in. So go ahead. All right. He's well, gone. I now we can talk about Eric. You. No, I'm joking. Yeah. I, I guess oh, my that. God. I know. This guy, he sucks so bad. Oh. Hey, hey, did you guys realize that he's like eight foot tall and lanky as shit? <laughs> No, uh, I was going to show you, Eric, the uh, part I was telling you about for the uh, Defender 9 or any of your uh, Rebel suppressors. Yeah. The company, Beak Arms, they make a adapter that is a 13, 16 by 16. And that is what is basically the universal that screws on to all of your uh, flash hiders and suppressors. I mean, there's some like, you know, 
I think like maybe a couple of companies have their own special threads, but this is kind of like the, the standard, you know? So you yeah. take and you change out the, the back end, you put this adapter in and it gives you the 13 16 by 16. And then you can take and screw it on to like my AR here, or I can take my AK and just drop it on. And it's not necessarily a quick connect because you do have to thread it, but I can quickly change it between any gun that has that 1316 thread. And I got one of the same 1316 for my homemade maglot. So I can take my maglot and drop on and take off. So all of my suppressors and all of my rifles run the same threads on the muzzle device. That way I can swap them back and forth as long as I make for sure I put the proper size, which my nine millimeter is a 355 plus. This is a 308 plus. So, I mean, they, they will either one fit on the AR and either one will fit on the AK. But if I was to get something, let's say, you know, bigger than a 308, I would have to be careful about quit changing, but I don't foresee that. So anyway, so uh, I, I, wanted... I did. I did go on the on their website. I actually bought. Um, uh, I got the three hole muzzle brake for my six five Grendel, the single hole muzzle brake for the three hundred blackout, and I got the flash hider for the AK. Um, what they didn't have, they were out of stock, was that adapter. Oh. And so I'm kind of waiting for that to come back in stock because I followed that link you gave me, and yeah. that that was out of stock. But I figured I'd get the rest of the setup first. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, so, it, it goes in perfectly. And if they end up not being able to make it, I would get in touch with our friend who made the other ones and have him yeah. make us one because it, it works. It's, it's so awesome to be able to swap back and forth super quick. There's no more having to take a muzzle device off, put the suppressor on, take the suppressor off, put a muzzle device on. It's just bam, bam, bam. Right. No, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to get this thing off. Oh, because that pin is right in there and it's flush. Yeah. And uh, I cannot for the life of me get anything down in there that's strong enough to pull that pin back and loosen this thing up. Because I need like five hands. What you might end up doing, and I'd hate to do it, but use a Dremel. Take the suppressor off, leave the adapter on, use a Dremel with a cutting wheel and cut just yeah. enough to where you can fit in there. I ended up having to do that on one of mine. Uh, it's in the other room, but I had to do that on one of mine to get it because it was the same thing. So, I mean, yeah. it's ugly because it's Dremeled and, you know, it's not as pretty as before, but uh, that's what I had to do. Gotcha. So now that we're looking at it, now that we're actually talking about guns, uh, we had, or you had mentioned the uh, ammo ban. Have you looked more into that or are you just, uh, has, has any of you guys, have any of you guys actually looked into it, what the logistics are behind it? What I looked in, what I saw was that it's Russian manufactured ammo. So, you know, like, 
like Wolf won't be able to put a put a facility in, say, Czechoslovakia and make ammo. It's still that's still Correct. Russian ammo. But Correct. but supposedly the um, I mean the ban doesn't go in till what December 9th. And all uh, the all the outstanding orders will be fulfilled. So if say somebody like AIM Surplus has a billion rounds on order, that should still be able to be fulfilled, from what I understand. It, it's not a pending order. Uh, this is from my deeper dive into it because it, this really, I mean, I seriously contemplated getting out of the, uh, the AK game because of this, uh, just because of the fact that there are so few American manufacturers that make 762 by 39 and it was going to become expensive. I mean, there's no way around it. You can't make something here uh, in brass case that can compete with the price of something made in Russia out of steel case. So uh, I did a deeper dive into it. And what it is, is it's a ban from all new imports of any Russian made ammunition. So they can't make it in Russia, ship it to the Ukraine or ship it to Czechoslovakia or whatever and sell it then. They can't open the plant like what you were talking about. Uh, but what it is, is there's no new import uh, licenses. To, it's not an import license, but I'll use that word. There's no more import licenses being renewed or allowed after uh, September or something. We've already passed the date. So, so the, the existing on the license will work. Yeah, it might be the seventh. Sorry, I, I was thinking it already passed. Yeah, I think it's on the seventh. So anyway, once so like, that passes, so like Wolf, at Wolf and Red Army, they still will hold their license to import ammo. Yeah, it's not. A, it, like I said, license isn't the right word. I guess it should be like an import permit is probably the right word to use. Uh, an import permit is generally good for 24 months they're not allowing any new ones for at least a year at the end of a year they're going to reevaluate to see if the sanctions need to stay or if they need to be lifted companies have already been expecting something from biden so there's companies that have already placed import permits that are good for two years they've already got them in place to where they're going to be covered for the next two years now not everyone did this. Not everyone's ready for this. So there will be a diminished supply and there's going to be a higher demand because everyone's freaking crazy thinking, oh my God, the sky's falling. I'm never going to get ammo again. So I'm going to go spend $600 a case. And that's what right now in my area, steel cased wolf or red army standard or whatever's going for 600 a K. And that is ridiculous. Holy cow. Yeah. So people are panic buying, people are panic selling. They're trying to sell their AKs, but they're still trying to sell them for eight, $900 for you know, a $600 AK. No one's buying them because no one wants the ammo you know, because they think that they're not gonna get it. So it's a big cluster. And basically what it all comes down to is for the next year, there's gonna be a reduced supply. At the end of a year, if they do the import ban again, that's when we'll start being in trouble, really. But until this time next year, we won't know what kind of trouble we're in. So it would be good to stockpile if you can. I wouldn't sell out just yet. 
but be prepared for lane hard times, be prepared for higher prices and be prepared to where at the, this time next year, uh, you know, maybe middle of next year, the only thing you might be able to get is brass cased ammo from Winchester at like a buck 25 a piece. Well, it's already a dollar a piece from Remington. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you, you still have other companies though. I mean, you have privy pars and you do have, you know, other companies that make ammo, like my subsonic ammo uh, that I shoot in my Ruger American in 7.62 by 39, it's brass cased uh, Privy Parson. And, you know, that's not banned. Of course, it's kind of a specialty niche ammo because, you know, it's, it is subsonic. It is brass cased. It is substantially more expensive than, you know, the 20 cents that I was paying for steel cased. But the sky's not falling yet, everybody. We've hit a bump in the road. The kids got thrown around in the back seat a little bit, but no one's been thrown out the car yet. So just just hold on, ride the storm, buy what you can when you can, but don't don't put yourself in the hole to get stuff that you don't need yet. And here's the thing. We we had one of these import bans under Obama too. We we weathered the storm, we came out, they lifted the import ban, and everything went back to normal again. Like, it's just, it's one of those things, there's a Democrat in office, we're going to have these things, and it's not going to get better until there's a Republican back in office. So it's, you know, write it out. I'm not about to sell anything anytime soon. Like I said, I, I honestly was a little panicked at first, uh, just because of the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm only setting on about 1,200, 1,500 rounds is all I'm setting on on my AK right now. Uh, I had kind of been branching out and playing in different fields. You know, I had the, the SBR AR, so that's taken some of my funds and some of my energy away. Um, going nine mil and trying to get nine mil through this time has kind of, you know, taken funds in such a way. Uh, but just playing with different guns and different calibers, I ended up letting some of my supply get a little bit low. I'm not panicked because I will either just a like today I went out and shot today confirmed zero uh double checked both of my suppressors everything worked with the new uh flash hiders everything was great or not sorry not flash hiders I've actually got muzzle brakes which by the way uh if you're standing next to me haha fuck you it's gonna be loud it's <laughs> it's obnoxious I am talking it is obnoxious with these brakes so uh, I hope Part you enjoy. Fun. <laughs> oh, dude, I will knock your hat off of your head if you're next to me with the concussion coming out. Yeah, of I was, <laughs> was going to say you're showing those, and I was looking at that, and all I could all I could think of was, crap, I do I would not want to stand beside that when he's firing because <laughs> I could tell by the way those things look, like just from yeah. stuff that we do at training. We have some people that have different kinds of brakes on theirs, and the people next to them are not happy by the time they're done with it because because <laughs> they're getting the brunt of it. Well, I, I had actually mentioned that whenever I went to the Chris Costa class, I had actually put a taken a muzzle brake off and then put a different muzzle device on just because I didn't want to be so obnoxious to the person next to me. And uh, I kind of mentioned that while sitting around talking and Costa's like, why? I'm like, well, I just try not to, you know, just, he's like, dude, if, if they're in a gunfight, do you think they're going to be worried about that? This is, that's nothing for them to even worry about. 
So who cares if it throws gas on them? They need to be prepared for it. And I'd be damned if the guy next to me wasn't running a SBR AR and, oh, my God, that thing was beating me up. So I was like, okay, all right, we can play this game. We'll play this game. <laughs> so now I've got I've got muzzle brakes on both of them, and I'm like, fuck you guys, it's gonna hurt. <laughs> oh, you got a short barreled AR. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> and a short barreled AK. Oh, here's the uh, here's the AR. I'm running a 10 and a half inch. Cool. Uh surefire light. Uh, Met Pro M24 on a dog leg, running a carry handle with iron backups and Magpul stock, Magpul furniture. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the uh, CAR-15s that uh, the SOG carried in Vietnam. It's very, very similar to that, except I do have an optic, obviously. Uh, it's yeah. also very similar to like what was uh, in heat, kind of mm -hmm. the uh, kind of the look I was going for. Um, I just like it. It is a little bit heavier. I could cut some weight down off of this. And if I absolutely had to carry it every day, that's probably what I would do. Uh, I would probably find ways to lighten it up, but since I'm not having to carry a rifle every day right now, uh, it's going to be heavy because it looks cool and I don't care. <laughs> the, uh, the AK I'm running the beak arms, uh, one muzzle brick on a 12 and a half inch, uh, cold hammer forged FEG, uh, made, which is Hungarian. This is actually made in Hungary by Hungarians. This it was an early import by, a OTGI. That's the name of TGI, something like that. Anyway, TG something, TGL, TGI. I don't remember. Tennessee Gunworks Incorporated, TGI. Uh, early import, but this is actual 100% made in uh, Hungary. Uh, it's a freaking tank. I took this gun through the Costa course as an SBR. I've had probably, I don't know, probably close to 10,000 rounds through it. Uh, 8,000 maybe, somewhere in there. Um, I've shot it suppressed. I've shot it uh, subsonics. The subsonics that I've got in here right now, these are the brown bear subsonics. These will cycle the action. The uh, Privy Parsons will not, but the brown bears will cycle the action. It is super smooth. It is super light. Um, recoil with those, even suppressed. Uh, with these uh, brown bears suppressed, I don't even get any of the gas back in my face. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And then I've got the standard... Uh, folding stock that comes on it, but I added the uh, AMD 65 Tech is the website. They've got a cheek riser. Uh, doesn't get in the way of anything. It still side folds, no problem. But I've got that on there to give me a little bit, a uh, little bit better cheek rest for the uh, for the optic. The optic right now, I was running a uh, Met Pro on this as well. But it was just when I put this with my uh, Form 1 suppressor and the Met Pro, it just gets really front heavy. I mean, I've got a flashlight, optic, suppressor. So to save weight, I went to this uh, Attaball Red Dot. Uh, seems okay so far. 
I haven't had any problems with it. I don't, I don't know if it was looking more like zombie times, I would probably want to switch out to something I knew I could trust with my life. But so far, zero issues. Uh, I changed out all of the furniture. I am now running Magpul furniture on it. And I've got a Zulu nylon gear sling. It's a quick adjustment sling. And then the last thing I did to it was the extended safety. So I can work the safety with my trigger finger. Uh, I can't remember Carolina Shooter Supply, maybe. Uh, I can't remember who makes the safety or where I bought the safety from. But that is the AK. And the flashlight, I'm currently running an inexpensive, uh, actually came from a tractor supply store. It's the light that they sell. It is a rechargeable uh, cheap flashlight. It was like 40 bucks, 30 bucks with a lifetime warranty. I have put 2000 rounds through the gun with it attached and it still works. Uh, the only thing is it did come with a, uh, a pigtail and the pigtail quit working. So I just went to a push button and I mean, it's plenty bright. I think it's like 500 lumen. So it's not the brightest, but it does good for me and for where I'm at. So that's what I'm running on my AK. Oh, Eric, what are you, what are you running? Uh, I'll give it a shot. I'm terrible <laughs> at remembering remember. names. And, um, <laughs> so I'm also running the, uh, the side folder here. I don't have the cheek riser like Bo has. Uh, but Bo, I, I'd be interested in it. I do have, I think I posted about, I had the AKM stock and I also had an RPK stock. Uh, but I, oh, I just, I love this side folder. I love how short it makes the gun, uh, much more manageable, especially if you have a suppressor on it. Um, I've got an OCAM defense uh, pistol grip. Um, trigger, uh, David, what was the trigger you ALG. said? ALG. Yeah, ALG. That's what it is. Uh, so I got the ALG trigger. Um, cheap Tapco mag, but it looks cool. Um, I have had feeding issues with them. I've thrown a couple of them away. This one is the one that is probably the most reliable, but mostly I have. I've got about nine or ten of the steel Romanian mags um, that just sit waiting for a rainy day, uh, run the reliable stuff. Um, I reached out to a company in Idaho that makes uh, aftermarket AK furniture. And that's where I got the, the APK and a, RPK and AKM uh, buttstocks from. I also picked up this uh, Romanian foregrip with the uh, standard dong on it. Uh, that was Bo's recommendation. Uh, Leave it to Bo. Like the, recommend the dong. We we'll always recommend the dong. I, I like it because <laughs> the without the dong, I was always having issues with my hand riding up right here at this metal cuff that holds the foregrip on. And I was burning my finger all the time because I was, my arms are so long, I was trying to grab it all the way up here. But then the, anytime I ran a foregrip, I always felt like I couldn't get a really good um, purchase on the foregrip. I always felt like I was grabbing it down here and I had a lot of wobble. And so the dong offers like this perfect, I don't know, crescent area for a good purchase that is just right for me. 
Uh, I've got the Ultimac rail gas tube. Uh, and I'm running a Trigicon RMR, uh, the one that without the battery. That looks um, like a RM08. Uh, would yes. that be the uh, triangle or the dot? Uh, it's the amber triangle. Love the triangle. I love how you can take the triangle and do a very fine aiming point on the tip of it and set it for that. And then you can just throw that triangle on your target. Boom. That's right. the exact one that I ran on my, uh, on my uh, uh, Glock 34 video that I did. That's the same RM08. I think that's the best way to go. Sorry. I just, no, 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 high, no problem. High, high praise to you on it. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it too. Uh, the only issue I found with it is if I'm indoors looking outside on a sunny day, it is hard to find that triangle. Um, if I'm outdoors, just fine. If I'm looking indoors, just fine. But inside looking out is a real challenge to, to really find. It's very washed out. Um, but what I, I went with the, the battery less optic just because this is my my go-to gun i don't want to have to worry about batteries i don't have to worry about any of that crap i just want to be able to grab it and know that it's going to work um the light i'm running is a steiner mk4 uh it's 500 lumens uh which i think is perfect for what i need it for it's a very uh focused beam um so you just put it right on your target and i run the pressure pad here on the dong so everything's all right there. Um, and then I bought, but I haven't installed the, I got the flash hider uh, from Beak Arms, um, but I still have to get all that set up. So, uh, but it is a, a 1968 uh, imported Romanian Wasser 1063. Uh, it was imported by Century Arms. And I just cleaned it the other day, actually, when I put in that ALG trigger. I uh, just kind of gutted the whole thing. And um, if you guys remember, it used to be rose gold. Well, that's but right. I took, a, I took a wire brush to it. Uh, I, would, I tried putting it in paint thinner, and it just wasn't doing the job. So I was like, screw it. And I grabbed a wire brush and put it on my drill and went to town on this thing, cleaned it up. But then um, cool part was it kind of gave it like this uh, battle-worn look. And I don't know, I, I love it. Uh, I forgot to mention that I'm running the uh, Ultimac as well. And this is the uh, M21 that I had on it. It's the same thing. It's a triangle. Uh, and it is fiber optic and tritium, the same as the RMR. I'm a huge yeah. fan of these. I don't currently have it on there, but it's just because of the weight of the suppressor. Um, huge fan to go either Eric's way with that RMR and honestly his is probably better than going with the M21 because the M21 is so much heavier uh, both of them are battle proven anymore uh, the RMR has been around it has proven itself there is that slight drawback that you said of being in a dark place looking into a light place uh, but there's ways to mitigate that. You could use a small uh, artificial light and hit the, uh, the fiber optic and that will light it up. Uh, there's, there's ways around it. Uh, it's not perfect, but I think it's as close to perfect as a end of the world optic as there is. Um, 
I'm I'm super impressed that that's what you're running with. Uh, I think it's great. I would love to have one, and it's actually on my list to get one for the AK. Uh, It adds zero weight. It is amazingly tough, and like you said, no batteries. So excellent, excellent choice. Uh, Couldn't give you higher recommendations than what you've already done. Thank you. Um, I, I really like my 6.5 Grendel, um, but the one drawback, and I thought about running that like as like a full-time rifle, um, like end of the world, but when it comes to, like, it's just so heavy. Um, I mean, it's a 20-inch barrel. Like, everything about it is just, you know, with that scope on it, it's all just a lot of weight. And when I was thinking about the whole, like, ounces equal pounds, like if, I, if I had to, to get out the door right now, I would want to take my 6.5 Grendel, but what I'm going to reach for is this thing right here. And I want to just keep it lightweight, um, mind on having a, a battle rifle, something I can cart around with me. I'm not, not going to get tired of holding because it's it's lightweight, only the essentials on here and the essentials being as weightless as possible. Yeah. So, well, I, um, I, think but, it's, I think it's great. I think what you've done with it, the, the choices you've made, from the, the flashlight to the, the optic and going with the Ultimac, uh, it's, those are all no-brainers. Yeah. Well, Thanks. Bef- before we get to go on. Before we get to uncomfortable silence. <laughs> his internet just dropped again yes <laughs> we're not gonna bash we're just gonna bash his internet oh um while we're waiting on him bo uh i picked up from a guy in the facebook ak47 group um he makes these little tabs see that yeah it goes under your dust cover but on top of your uh, spring to help with the gas coming back to help with the gas coming back so i'm not always having to put silicone on it every single time after i take it apart and i haven't been able to try it out yet um but i have high hopes yeah uh when you get a chance to try it out let me know how it goes and uh maybe shoot me as contact info if you like it uh because it might be something i want to try now shooting my subsonics i don't get that it's amazing if you can run across some of that brown bear subsonic, it's I think 196 grain. Hold on, I've got a box of it here somewhere real close. I've got the oh. 220 grain and it doesn't cycle. No, that one won't. Uh, I know I'm making a lot of noise, so hold on. Oh, you're good. <laughs> I got too many ammo boxes that say 762. I'd, I'd be interested in that that dust plug. Here we are. All right. Run subsonic. If you I've can seen find, guys. If you can find this right here, it's Brown Bear 762 by 39 subsonic. Uh, 196. 196. It will cycle your gun. Uh, AK Operators Union has had it work on like eight of his and it cycled. This right here, the Privy Parson subsonic, this will not cycle an AK. This is amazing in my bolt action it is stupid quiet it sounds like an air gun but uh just if you can find some of that brown bear especially before 
any sort of band or whatever, uh, get you some because it works great suppressed and an AK. Now, I, I did see some guys run those tabs on the outside. I've uh, seen a couple guys do that, but I was I really didn't like that. Uh, the guy sells a lot of them just because it's such a cheap rubber cutout piece. Like, I swear, he just punches a thousand of them at a time and then sells them for four bucks a pop. Um, but I was curious to see if I could fit it on the inside just because I didn't want it to, like, fall off and, and lose one. Yeah. Um, so I bought a couple from him. Uh, but I just want to see kind of how long they last with the recoil on the inside of the dust cover. Um, that, but you know, I'll, I'll get you guys his contact info. Okay. Sounds good. I'd, uh, I'd he, give he, it a shot. he runs it off of, yeah, he runs it off of a website. He actually made a website himself. Okay. Um, but I think that's pretty much all he sells. So see Mr. Pixel's back. Yeah, this right. is getting annoying. I was starting to ask a question, and I was like, well, nobody heard me because my internet went out again. So <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> so Eric, I was I was just I just wanted to ask because this this was something that he reminded me of when he talked about his previous paint job on his rifle there. You had an amazing work of art that you created during the process of your painting that that AK. What happened to it? Oh, the the tarp with the outline yeah. of the AK. Yeah, yeah. I still have. I still have. You still have. It. You need yeah. to frame it, man. You need to frame yeah, it. I, it's just one of those yeah. things. That my my garage is such a freaking mess. <laughs> um, but it's I know I know I know where that is, and um, I'm, I'm not throwing it away. But there is a lot in there I need to go through and get rid of. But um, once I come across it and it's the right, you know, and I, I have the time and the space to put it, I'm going to frame it. It's going to go yes. up there. Yes, that thing's glorious. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is pretty great. That does need a framework. <laughs> I'm hoping uh, to eventually ha have a house that's big enough where I actually have like a gun room, right? Um, like what uh, Timothy has. If any of you guys have been keeping up with him, oh yeah, yeah, um, his is sick. Yeah, it is. That's I'm jealous, but that's that's exactly what I would want. But that would be something I would have framed. Or if we have a house in the basement, I'm sure Lucy would mm -hmm. be okay with me hanging that up somewhere in like the man the man cave. Yep. Yep, there you go. <laughs> what? That's not okay. <laughs> but it's rose gold. <laughs> that just got vetoed. Just yeah, now no, no. got vetoed. That was, that was next from the live, other room. Well, live on the podcast. Got vetoed. Uh, I'm going to stick up for Eric. I've I've seen his videos. He knows how to decorate, so I think he could work it in in a way that would be acceptable. <laughs> I still wonder. He never he never showed us if he could reach the AK from sitting on the couch because of how long his arms <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> no, he rigged it. So all he has to do is bump the wall and it falls into his hand. <laughs> it falls down. I, I was telling Lucy about that today. I was like, you know, when I had that 6.5 Grendel on the wall, like it looked really good against that white shiplap. Um, but, but you know, it's, with, with kids in the house too and having having family over or friends that may not be okay with that or having to always answer the question like yes it's it's locked it's safe like nobody can use it um <laughs> she goes besides the fact that it's my living room <laughs> it's her living room yeah apparently <laughs> she goes you're not here anymore <laughs> i'm not working <laughs> so you so, so you need to trade in the car and just get you a vehicle where you can put it in the 
just mount it to the the top of it exactly and uh, then, we've and been talking about getting a jeep yeah we've been talking about a jeep i've been talking about it <laughs> i'm gonna close the door of the bedroom yeah yeah you need a little more privacy <laughs> <laughs> she's having fun heckling me oh goodness so, Mr. Shock, let's hear about your AK while uh, Eric gets spanked and put in his place. Well, <laughs> my AK is a Sega. Woo, so, sexy. Oh, oh, he just he just totally like one up all of us. Out of the I mean, bunch, yeah. mine is yeah. the only AK. It's a real <laughs> AK. Wow. <laughs> oh. Stick your nose yeah. up there a little bit. Do you, do you notice yeah. his pinky notice his pinky was up the whole time yeah. he was saying the all that? Well, well, okay, let's 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 put the honest train on here though. When I bought this, I had no clue, right? So I bought this with my first AR that I bought. Um because the guy was selling both. I wanted an AR and I got an AK with it. So doing some research, it's a Sega. It's, it's kind of a good one, you know, um, but in the configuration that I bought it, it was in the Americanized sporting rifle, I think is what they called it. So the trigger was in the wrong spot. The grip was in the wrong spot. It had a Tapco adjustable stock. It had a quad rail on it. The thing weighed 50 pounds was annoyingly heavy to shoot so i put four or five hundred rounds through it and threw it in the corner and said okay yep i got an ak whatever it wasn't that much fun to shoot other than just being loud and obnoxious like an ak so uh i think it was last year early last year i decided to bust it out you know what what's everybody talk about you know why are AK so cool kind of thing. Started doing some research. Talked to Bo a lot, and I found out that it wasn't in the AK configuration. It was in the Americanized sporting rifle hunter crappy configuration. So Bo hooked me up with um, Carolina Shooting su uh, Supply. I did the AK conversion with the upgraded ALG trigger, move the, the trigger to the right spot, put an AK grip on it, put the AK, you know, stock on it. This is a Phoenix technology stock. I did the Magpul furniture in the front. And then here recently, probably a month or so ago, I put the, the Midwest industry side mount and my Vortex strike force um red dot on it and then i just got the sling same as Bo. Bo sent me the link bought the sling just got it yesterday actually and put it on so yeah i mean that's that's it and i think i put i don't i made sure it worked maybe three magazines through it uh, 100 rounds or so after the upgrade and hadn't really had time to to take it back so the red dot's not zeroed um, but yeah, that's it. I do like how low your uh, red dot sets, how close to the, the dust cover. It, that's it, a, a, that's a good height. Yeah, it does sit low. I mean, everything lines up well on it. Um, 
it's pretty solid. It took a while to put it on and get it to where it was solid and didn't, you know, rattle a little bit. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it holds up to the recoil and if it's all in alignment and actually zeros and, uh, and holds I, that zero. So I would be willing to bet it'll, it'll zero fine. Now, the problem I've had with the side mounts is taking them off and putting them on. They're supposed to hold zero, but I've always found I've had to make small adjustments. Now, that could be just either my mount that's on the rifle, or that could be my particular mount that I've had, because I've seen a lot of people online who take it off, put it on, shoot, take it off, put it on, shoot, and all of them, you know, I won't say all of them, but I've seen a lot of videos where people haven't had the problem. So I imagine it'll probably zero and it'll probably stay, even if you remove it and put it back on. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if that if it works out that way. I'm I'm hoping, but I'm not gonna hold my breath yet. So so as someone that's not in the club, if if correct me if I'm wrong, AKs normally aren't really made in a way that is conducive to just slapping an optic on or really many attachments, unless you have like the newer stuff where they intentionally make it that way. It, so, it really, it depends. Uh, several makers, mine does not have the side rail on the side here that uh, David or uh, Eric have. So for me, I would have had to use what's called a master mount, an AK master mount, and it attaches through the pins on the side and it gives you a rail. Or I could go with the Ultimac. The Ultimac has been proven reliable. The only problem that the Ultimac rail, which replaces your, uh, uh, your gas tube and it bolts to the barrel. Uh, the only problem that these have had is early on, people were putting cheap optics on them and they do get hot. So people were cooking their optics. You know, something like a uh, Bushnell uh, TR-25, uh, some of the early ones of those. I believe Bushnell has now fixed that to where that's not even an issue. But uh, EOTech. <laughs> did you cook an EOTech? <laughs> no, they, but they had that issue about five or six years ago where they had that thermal drift. Yeah. So, I'm well, some people were literally cooking them to where they quit working. So uh, that was the only problem with the Ultimax. Um, so that's really the two ways you, you've got three ways and I've used all three of them to varying degrees. Number one is going to be the side rail. Number two is going to be the Ultimac. And number three is a new company. I say new, they've been out probably five years, which is going to be newer than either one of those. And that is a company called Atero Arms. Atero Arms makes a mount that replaces your rear uh your, your front no rear your rear side and uh you take it out and put the otero arms in and then you can do a direct mount for uh rmr or uh some of the other micro red dots uh some of the aim points i think some of the smaller stuff like that and i had an otero arms on an ak-74 running a Trigicon RMR, and it was rock solid. I put, 
I don't even know how many rounds, probably 5,000 rounds to that gun uh, and never once lost zero. Uh, it was, it was rock solid. So those are really the three main mounts to be able to mount an optic on your AK. Um, it just depends on what your gun comes with and what your preference is. Do you want your optic way out in the front, like on an Ultimac? Do you want it back in the, the normal place, like how David's is with a side mount? Uh, you know, you gotta, gotta see what works for you and what works for your gun. So I, I've also used all three of those options. Um, I, I went with, at first I was trying to use my side rail. And as most of you know that followed the podcast, um, I was going through optics like crazy. But my side mount, and not that you're able to see it that well uh, from, from here, but it is canted. So it's not level, uh, which is why I was always having a hard time finding zero with any optic that I put on it, because in 1968, Romania was a part of the USSR and it was made by a bunch of 10 year olds in a sweatshop. So that's the history behind this gun. Um, and then I tried the Atero arms. I started moving up because I prefer to have my optic back here. Um, but since that option was kind of taken away, I had actually tried one of the dust covers that had a rail on it. Um, I didn't really care for that. In fact, the, um, it was riveted onto, the rail was riveted onto the dust cover and those rivets started to come loose and wobble. And then I lost zero on the red dot. Um, I tried the Atero arms on the rear block here and uh, I couldn't get, I had my vortex crossfire on it and I couldn't get it to sit low enough that it was actually level with the gun. So I abandoned that option. And then I was looking at uh, gas tube options and that's when Bo recommended the Ultimac. Uh, and I've, I've been happy with it. It's, it's dirty as heck. Um, the optic six fairly low on it. And I, I like exactly where it's at. So um, I'm happy that I finally settled on something and that it, that it works. But as someone that's tried all three, I prefer back here, but on an older gun, a military surplus gun like this, um, you know, you don't always end up with one that's perfect which is what I love and I hate about AK-47s. They have, they have, it's like buying an old house. It has character, <laughs> but it's a pain in the butt. So I guess I need to recant my statement. If, uh, if Eric's was made in, in Russia at the time, <laughs> it was Russia. The, the old uh, Soviet Socialist Republic. But So in... Hopefully my audio doesn't cut out on this like it seems to do. Now that I'm asking another question, it'll probably cut out. Um, and I don't know how much everybody knows about theirs. I'm sure you guys probably have a better idea than I do. Do you guys have preferences? I was doing a little bit of research and there's been some stuff just before this ban was announced. There was some stuff coming up about AKs, and I was just watching it just to educate myself. Preference on receivers. Um, you, my, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, it was just my understanding that there's what, like, I think about three different kinds normally. Um, and there's, I've heard, at least from the one source that I was using, they were saying that usually when you get a, a forged, that's usually the strongest. Because you have a forged, a milled, and 
stamped. stamped. Yeah. The uh, the forged is technically the strongest, but it's also incredibly heavy for what it is. Um, you don't really need a forged receiver on an AK. Maybe if you were going to be doing sustained, uh, you know, full auto fire, or, you know, maybe if it was going to be a gun that you uh, rent out at a range or something like that, where it's going to get crazy high numbers. But there's standard stamped AKs that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of rounds through them. I mean, you'll, you'll wear out a barrel generally before you wear out a receiver. So, uh, Forge technically is stronger. Milled is probably stronger, but I have no problem with the stamped receiver. I mean, uh, it's a pain in the butt if you ever want to build one because of the fact that they're riveted together. And these rivets are not like you can put in like a little rivet gun and go chicka, 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 and it fits. No, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a press, you know, you have to press them in. They're a pain in the butt. You've got to have them lined up just right. If you press them wrong, it'll mushroom one side. If it's not exactly perfect, and then you got to cut it out and start all over again. So, I mean, it's, it's got pros and cons, but for weight to strength ratio, I personally don't have a problem with stamped and I'm happy with stamped. I think the I mean, bigger kudos to the, I think the a bigger piece of the puzzle is the front trunnion forged or cast. Yeah, you don't want anything cast on the inside of your AK. That was the problem that all of the uh, American made AKs were having is they were casting all the parts when Palmetto State first started, when Century first started. I think Century still does some casting, yeah, but don't the, hold me to rat, that. The RAS 47, RAS yeah, the, 47. Yeah, the I'm going to blow up in your face, 47. Um, they used crappy casts, and it didn't hold up, and they were like, well, why isn't this working? We use cast parts and everything. There's cast parts in freaking Colt 1911s, or, you know, maybe not Colt, but in, in 1911s, they use milm and cast parts and high, you know, high-dollar stuff. They couldn't figure it out and come to find out just the inherent roughness, the, the sure force that is the action of an AK was breaking the crap. So they... Yeah. started making forged trunnions and all of a sudden they started making a much better gun the uh palmetto state i think i can't remember if it was a three or a four generation they i think it was the fourth generation they offered with an fn barrel so you're talking a high-end barrel and they were getting sub moa I want to say, don't quote me to this. You'll have to go back and watch his video, but AK operators union. I want to say he was shooting sub MOA at 600. I know he was at 300, but I think he was at 600, but at 300 yards shooting under a three inch group with an FN barrel, American made AK. Uh, yeah, it was the Palmetto AKE. Yeah. Um, and it was like a Chrome lined FN barrel. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the, the most important part, like you said, is going to be your, you, you don't want anything cast. You want it all forged if you can, other than like the receiver, I think a stamped receiver is fine. Yeah. I, and honestly, stamped receivers were the original way it was like, it's the OG 
uh, of AK receivers. Um, they were made to be produced quickly, cheaply, and just stamped out in a production line. Um, and as, as difficult as these are for us to make ourselves today, um, I was going to say kudos to all the 10-year-olds in the sweatshops for being able to put one of these <laughs> things together in about four hours. Um, so, no, it's and, – and I think that's – this is why – so many people shy away from the AK world. It's intimidating when you first get into it because you want this and not that. And there's, there's German, Chinese, Romanian, Yugoslavian, American, a uh, hundred others. Uh, and each one is made a different way. Uh, some of them blow up in your face. Other ones are reliable. Some of them you'll get made fun of and other ones you're, you know, sticking your pinky up in the air, telling everyone that you got a Sega. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, hey, <easy. laughs> making fun of all the pores uh no i'm kidding um <laughs> uh, so it's it's just very intimidating because you have all these monikers uh when you go to look for parts you've um got like the mac 90 uh you've got the wasser 1063 like just the acronyms that all mean different things with different countries with different ak's and sometimes, you know, you order a part online and it doesn't fit. And other times you can, you know, force it to fit. Um, you can make it fit with your Dremel. Uh, sometimes you can heat up the, the furnace and melt it down and reforge it into something else like you want. <laughs> like it's, once you, once you get the knack of it and you understand what you have and how the designations go, um, it, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, there, there's over a hundred Gosh, at one point, there was a hundred different militaries, militias um, that used the AK at some point in time. Uh, now, with the introduction of the AR, um, quite a few Europeans use the uh, the G3. Uh, you know, when you start looking at other military adaptations, what it was in 1970 compared to what it is in 2020. Um, back in 1970, the AK was the premier gun of nearly every military except for the UK and the United States. Um, so uh, there's there's no more widely spread gun. I mean, you see five-year-olds carrying one of these in Africa. You see monkeys jumping around, learning how to use one. Uh, if any of you guys have seen that video, it's pretty entertaining. But I don't know. It's, it's great. It's reliable. Um, and what makes it what makes that RAS 47 um, with uh, the cast trunnion so unreliable is what a lot of people fail to realize what makes the AK reliable is that it's overgassed, it's violent, and it, it holds nothing back. Um, the action is so violent that it actually makes the barrel wobble, which is what makes the AK less accurate than an AR-15. Um, just because of, of how much is going on in that gun as far as pressure and slapping of metal parts. And um, it's antiquated, but at the same time, it's, I don't, the only thing I can compare it to is, is a 1911. Like it has stood the test of time. Um, it is still as old as it is, it's still a relevant gun. Um, and that's, that's something that to me is honorable. The uh, 
all of the different countries and the fact that all of the different countries fit slightly differently. You know, you have, you know, Yugoslavia has its own furniture that won't fit on anything else but a Yugo gun. You've got Chinese, you've got, you know, and it is intimidating for some people. And some people look at it and go, well, why do I need to learn all of this? I will buy an AR. I will slap a BCM upper on a Colt lower and it works. I can take, you know, a Daniel Defense lower and put a freaking Anderson upper on it and it works. And the, the plug and play is where the AR really has the AK beat um, when it comes to uh, user interface, if you want to call it that, or you know, the, the ability to, to play Legos. It is much easier with an AR. And there is a slight learning curve with the AK, but you can basically do the same things to an AK that you can do to an AR. Now, the problem comes with how much more difficult is it going to be to do X, Y, or Z. You know, you can rebuild an AR and put a new barrel in. And as long as you put the barrel nut screw at the proper torque, it's good. You're not going to have any headspace issues. It's going to shoot. It's going to work. Now, AK, you've got to take and press out the barrel pin, which is hard to see on mine because it's painted camouflage, but you've got to press that out. Then you have to press the barrel out. Then you have to press your new barrel in and check your go, no-go gauges until you get the proper headspace. Then you have to drill and cut mill out for the pin in that barrel and then you have to pin the barrel so i mean it's the amount of tools and the amount of skill needed is going to be significantly higher if you're wanting to do higher end stuff to an ak if all you're wanting to do is throw lights lasers change the stock put some mag pull on it you know suppress it this that there's tons of stuff to do there's uh there's even an adjustable gas system for them now that it makes, from what I've seen, it makes the AK and 7.62 shoot with about as much recoil as a 223. I'm really wanting to try one of those. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to yet because it's kind of expensive, but I'm really wanting to try one of the, uh, the adjustable gas pistons that they make for them. So, I mean, you can do stuff it just might take a little bit more. And I think Eric's right. That intimidates people. Is that, is that part of the, uh, I guess the, I don't want to call it like fanboy them to it, but the, the ownership of it, because you've already put so much into it, you have, you know, there's, there's more of a connection to it. Everything that you went through, you're like, I, I've, I've invested so much into this. That's, <laughs> Look, I, I've got, I've got a closet full of AK parts and furniture. <laughs> that I mean, I could. <laughs> my gun has taken on six or seven different forms over the twelve years that I've had it, um, and it's it's one of those things that I haven't been able to find a decent setup that I like. It's one of those things that I like it for for right now, um, but. I think I finally landed on it, but who knows, maybe in another year or two, I'm going to want to change it again. But um, it, it is one of those things that I just keep coming back to. And I really don't know why uh, it was my first battle rifle. It was the first rifle I ever owned. 
Um, and it's kind of my first love. Uh, from the moment I'm handing it around to my friends at the range and just watching how much fun they're having with it, because it is kind of an oddity. You, you really, they've become more popular, yes, but you still don't see a whole lot of them at, when you go to the range, if you go to a public range. Um, so you, you pull this thing out and everyone's like, oh, wow, what's that? And uh, Still kind of a cool factor to it. Um, you know, now that I've gotten into ARs a little bit, yeah, sure, like the plug and play is, is fun. I did enjoy Legos when I was a kid and now I have grown up ones. Um, but when people go comparing their ARs and <laughs> watching people flip out, <laughs> Steve, um, about scratches <laughs> on something. To me, one of the beauties of this gun is that I can do anything to it and I'm not afraid to. It, it was made for war. It was forged for war. And it's not some, some Gucci gun or designer thing. Like it's, it's a weapon of war. And like, you, you, I'm not afraid to get it dirty. I'm not afraid to scratch it. It's to me, it looks better with scratches on it. Um, and it's just, each one tells a different story based on where it's from, who the owners have been, when it was imported, where it was made. Um, and, and it goes on. I mean, these things will be around for another two, three, 400 years. I've got, I don't know how many rounds were through mine before I got it, but I've got at least 10,000 through mine and it's still going strong. Cleaned it three times. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the lack, go ahead, Bo. I was just going to say the lack of worry about the finish and, you know, if it gets scraped up, I have noticed that there are some AR guys out there who don't care. You know, if it gets scratched up, it gets scratched up. But I have seen way more AR guys that are worried about scratches over AK guys that are worried about scratches. So there's something there that Eric was talking about. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, people just don't really care to throw this around, throw it in the back of the truck and let it bang around as you're on your way to the, to the range. But people just, don't tend to want to do that with their ARs generally. Yeah. Well, I'm, I would say I'm more of an AR guy. I've probably built five or six ARs and I don't care if I get a scratch on any of them because they're all tools. But when I dug into this thing, you know, putting a drill bit to rivets was a little intimidating. Yeah. And, and it wasn't the fact that I hadn't done it before. I haven't built a gun before. It's just, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the thing. And I hadn't dug into this and, you know, I, I talked to Bo and, and Hey, you know, I, I want to make it a real AK and whatever. And we got links and I, I bought the stuff and, and said, Hey, I might send you pictures. Cause I might have questions. And I think I did. And, you know, a box full of parts and, not having a clue and a couple of YouTube videos later. And I'm like, man, I'm driving to Arkansas and letting Bo do this. Cause this is not, <laughs> you, you know, it was kind of a, it was really, um, it was nerve wracking, but once I got into it and it's, well, it's still gun parts and it's still, there's still a bolt and there's still a trigger and there's still springs and it's the same kind of thing that, you know, it's just, it's just rolling up your sleeves and doing it, I guess. And, you know, like you guys said, it's an AK. It's it's meant to get beat up and 
holes drilled in it, I guess, if you have a Americanized sporting rifle that's not an AK. <laughs> I, uh, it's just a vent hole for some heat to escape. That's all yeah, it is. It's, I mean, yeah. I've converted know. a couple of Segas that were in the American version to like yours. And for me, drilling the rivets on the back and drilling out, you know, the little plate that had the real trigger hole block, the outside stuff didn't bother me at all. The only thing that made me worry, which I don't think you had to do if I remember right, was the bullet guide. Where no, it, it already had that in it. Yeah, that is the scary part because you only get to do it one time. And if you mess up, your gun's not going to feed. The only option after that is to take it somewhere, have it welded and re-drilled. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, on the inside of your AK, if you remove the dust cover, remove the bolt, you've got your front trunnion, and you've got your barrel and your feed lips, your feed ramp is right there. On the American sporterized ones, they intentionally made it lower so that you couldn't use regular AK mags. It wouldn't feed properly. The bullet would come in and jam into the bottom of the barrel. It would never hit the hole. It would jam into the bottom. So some ingenious people who are way smarter than me figured out if you take this little piece of metal and you fit it perfectly in the middle and you drill and you tap it and then you take and you use red Loctite and you tighten the shit out of that. It ain't going anywhere. And now you've now raised from being too low to where bullets hit the thing. You're now even and the bullets go in. And that is the scariest part on doing a Russian Sega, or I think they did it on some of the Vepers, the first Vepers that came in, but I know the Segas were, and uh, oh, I mean, that's nerve-wracking because you can only do it once, and if you get that too far out, too far in, too far to the left, too far to the right, I mean, if it's not centered, if it's too far to the left, it won't pick up the bullets that are coming out of the right side of the magazine, so you'll fire one, it'll work. Next one jams. You take and clear that, guess what? The bullet's now staggered onto the left and it'll shoot. And you're like, oh, okay, it's working again. Well, now you're on the right-hand side and it jams. So you clear it and you're trying to figure out why is it taking every other one? Well, it's because the freaking uh, extension got put in slightly to the left or slightly to the right, either one. So, I mean, there's, there is all sorts of little tidbits and shit like that that's a pain in the butt, but it's all doable. Yeah, this one takes regular AK mags. There's some of the, um, I'm not sure if it's Tapco or other plastic ones that doesn't, won't lock all the way in, right? They'll work until they fall out. <laughs> but it, it, it kind of wedges in there. And usually with, you know, the, the quad rail, I had a, um, you know, I had a foregrip on that quad rail. So I would, at the range, I'd set that on the table, Um so it's, it's, you know, that magazine would kind of lean on a table too, but you know, with the you regular fix, steel magazines, they work. You can fix those plastic mags. It's just a matter of a couple of minutes with a file or a Dremel. And you'll either have to take, uh, I've got a plastic mag right here. You'll either have to take, depending on how yours is fitting, and it'll be one of two things. Either right here on the top, will be hitting first and you'll need to relieve that a little bit or down here on the bottom 
it will be built up too much and it won't allow it to get in. So what you'll have to do is put the magazine in and be watching from the side and see if this hits before it gets down here. You might have to take a little off there. If it's almost, but it won't catch all the way on the bottom, then you need to take some off the bottom. It'll take you two, three minutes with a file, go across it two or three times, try it. Cross it two or three times, try it. And you can make these work real quick and easy that way. Yeah, I think it's the bottom because they don't they don't lock in. I mean they'll well, they'll they, kind of they'll kind of stick there and they'll it'll yeah. feed right, but it'll it'll kind of wobble out. It, it could be the top still. I mean, without knowing because of the fact the top could be bottoming out before it's allowing the bottom to lock. That's why you kind of got to look at it and see. Either way, uh, it's a, a super quick fix. I've had to fit. Uh, where is that? Right here. Some of these uh, still magazines, this isn't one, but just as an example, I've had to do filing along the top here to get them to lock in. And it just, that's the thing that we were talking about. Some countries are slightly different. Some tolerances are slightly different. So that's what scares some people away or why some people go, oh, they're junk. You know, don't work with my mag. It's, this thing's a piece of crap. Well, no, it's not that. There's just nuances that you need to learn. I mean, you're not going to put diesel inside your freaking Ford Fiesta and wonder why it doesn't run. You've got to just kind of figure out and have a little bit of common knowledge of, oh, well, this isn't working because maybe this is a Chinese mag and maybe I've got a Yugoslavian gun. So maybe I need to do a little bit to make it work. Don't go to the AK-47 group on Facebook for help either. 90% is people that are going to roast you and the other ones will actually message you personally to help you out instead of help you in front of the group that place can would, be useful but you really have to know what you're talking about i would stay away from any of the ak groups go and read but don't post anything ak uh it was ak47.net there's the akforums.com uh there's ar15.com has an ak section go and read and learn but until you actually know what you're talking about, don't post because they are some of the worst gun snobs. Um, you know, AR-15, I think, okay, 1911, AR-15, AK-47. That's the, that's the snob ladder. And <laughs> whatever you do, don't go in a 1911 group and talk about how good your Rock Island is. Don't go in an AK-47 group and talk about how good your century is. Don't go into a freaking AR-15 group and talk about how the Palmetto State is awesome because you're going to get roasted. I've never had a problem with any of those guns I listed. I personally don't have an issue with them. But the gun snob community is strong in 1911s, AR-15s, and AKs. What I've, what I've found out about most snobs, because I'm, I'm, I'm in all those groups. I'll, I'll add one, the, the Beretta 92 group. Um, SCAR 17, I'm in one of those groups too. You know, I, don't, I don't own one. I'm an honorary member um, <laughs> through Keith. <laughs> but <clears throat> a lot of those snobs don't, have never taken a class, have never tested their rifles. They're the same guys that, baby all their guns and don't want it to get a single scratch but they have money and they can afford to have the best or the most expensive 
the most expensive isn't always the best as Bo talked about when, when he went to his Costa carving class. You know, there were guys with $4,000 rifles that were blowing up or breaking down. So, it, you know, they feel like they can talk because they can afford the most expensive and then they'll make fun of you because, you know, you're a broke gun enthusiast just trying to build your first gun. Um, I got roasted in the AK-47 group when I asked a question about suppressors. I was just genuinely looking for honest feedback as to what I needed as far as like a, a muzzle adapter or a brake device. And I got roasted for the type of suppressor that I was buying and the Romanian Wasser 1063 that I had. And they were telling me my threads were, were off and my sight was canted and my rifle was crap. And it's like, nobody was any help whatsoever. Um, I got more help from Bo and Timothy than I did from anyone else. Uh, so it's one of those things like you get into that community, but anytime you post on Facebook, you run the risk of just 90% roasting and 1%, 10% guys that are genuinely interested. And then there'll be one or two guys that will private message you to actually help you out. Um, and even some of those guys that roasted me in the comments and then private messaged me and said, Hey, I was just kidding. I'm actually curious too. I have that setup coming as well. And I'm like, you just don't have the balls to yeah. say it in front of the group. You know what I mean? Um, and so I just, I stopped going there for help. But what is, what those groups are helpful for is using the Facebook's search option where you can actually search in the group uh, for certain things. So if you're looking for a light or um, a trigger, furniture, mags, just type in what you're looking for in that search box and there's bound to be a post that talks about it. Um, so those things can be helpful as far as researching a part or a piece or how something looks or fits together. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're just going to show everyone what you got and you're all proud of it, prepare to you know go to bed crying that night. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but. <laughs> the, uh, the, the gun community in a whole, as a whole, we are some of the coolest guys. I, mean, I know so many people that they take a gun to a gun range and they're willing to help somebody or they're willing to teach somebody or they're willing to, to do whatever it takes to get more people into the gun community. But we're also the quickest ones to jump on somebody like a freaking rabid baboon and be like, why did you buy that? That's a piece of shit. It's going to blow up. You're going to die. You know, you're going to kill the person next to you because it, blah, 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 blah. And I don't get it. Why we can be the nicest, but the biggest dicks at the same time. And I think a lot of it falls into kind of that whole spiel that I've been going on for freaking months now about prepper fiction and prepper fantasy. These guys get into the prepper fantasy or they get into the gun fantasy of I've got a Daniel Defense. I've got a BCM. I've got an Oveski. I've got a XYZ. Are there inherent things about those more expensive guns that do make them better than a less expensive gun? Yes, there are. If you're a competition shooter and you're shooting 100,000 rounds a year versus a guy who goes to the range once a month and runs a couple of mags through, there's a big difference. So you're going to have a certain level where, yes, type A is better than type B, but you've can't automatically assume that type a is always better 
for the individual. And that's what we do. That's what a lot of people do. You know, my AK, my AR, we'll use my AR. It's, it's a Palmetto State. I short barreled a Palmetto State Armory. People are like, why would you do that, man? That's a waste of a tax stamp. That gun's blah, blah, blah. Dude, it's my backup to my AK. I've put a few thousand rounds through it with zero issues. I'm not a competition shooter. I'm not planning on taking this gun and running 100,000 rounds through it. It's not what it is for me. And people get so wrapped around the axle of XYZ is better than this. And then you've got the guys that are on the opposite end, the guys who are wanting to justify what they bought because of the fact that that's all that they could afford. The other day, T-Rex Arms guy said it, and I'm, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but it was perfect. Be happy with your Palmetto State. Be happy with your Century AK. Just know that you know it is a good gun. It's going to get you through until you can get something better. But it shouldn't be a point where you're like jumping on someone and saying, well, my Palmetto State's going to outlast your Colt 6920. It may or may not. Well, my Palmetto State is better than your Daniel Defense because of this. Well, maybe, maybe not. Don't, don't, if you're on the top tier, don't attack the lower tier. And if you're on the lower tier, don't try to attack the upper tier saying yours is just as good. It is just as good for what you do. It may not be just as good as for what they do. So, you know, when it, when it comes to the ARs and the AKs or vice versa, any gun, a high point versus a Glock versus a Colt versus be happy with what you've got, because that's what you've got train with what you've got, because that's what you've got, but you should never always be happy with a high point. If that's all you can afford right now, get that high point, get that training, learn how to protect yourself, learn how to protect your family and then slowly save up money until you can get that Glock or that Ruger. Maybe a Ruger is the next thing you can get, which, you know, it might not be as good as a Nighthawk 1911, but that that's, it's better. It's slightly better. Make those increments until you can get something that can actually be war ready or zombie ready or whatever your prepper fantasy is. Well, I, I also think though, if you just jump ahead of the line and go to that top tier, you're not going to understand or know or appreciate that that weapon if you start out with a high point and then like you said and then next thing say the next thing you do is a ruger you're probably going to notice some differences in the way it feels the way it shoots you know and all of that and you're going to be able to appreciate that because you started you know way at the bottom so then the next step up, you're like, oh, okay, this is better. This is what I like. I'm so, and then you start to figure out your preferences. And then if you do go for something nice, you know, quote unquote nicer, then you have experience with two more things before that. Okay, the cheaper stuff has, is kind of like this. And then you step up a little bit. This is a little bit better. And then you, 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 I think it helps with your knowledge to do that as well. Look at it like your first car. You know, your first car. If you give a 16-year-old kid a freaking Challenger Hellcat and you give him the red key, what do you think is going to happen? You give that same 16-year-old kid a 92 Ford Fiesta, what do you think is going to happen? It's not going to be as bad. Now, I think you should buy the most expensive 
or the highest quality, not necessarily the most expensive. You should buy the highest quality that you can that still allows you to afford ammo, a sling, magazines, an optic, and training. That is the most important part. You will get more out of training. For an example, I took my AK to Zacosta class. I ran the AK. I was able to do all the things all the other guys were able to do. Not a problem. I had to work harder with the AK than the guys with the ARs. I was able to accomplish the same goal. I had to work harder. So you might have to work harder with that entry-level gun to achieve the same things that the higher-level gun will. But if you start with that, the, the most expensive quality that you can buy and still afford all of the other stuff, all the other accoutrements that you need to go with that gun, but mostly the training. If that, that, that's the biggest thing. I would a lot rather be stuck in a foxhole with a guy with a high point that he has fired 10,000 times than to be put in a foxhole with a guy with a Nighthawk 1911 that he's never fired. So the high point would make it through 10,000 rounds? <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just Somebody saying. has to have one somewhere. No, I, I, I think, you know, Bo and, and if you guys are both right on the money with that, um, definitely the journey from broke gun enthusiast to wealthy gun enthusiast is, I'm not saying I'm on, on, the, on the wealthy side. Um, I've just kind of started to hit that and be able to make some up, like quality upgrades. Um, to my guns and but I mean I, I did start down there at the bottom and my first handgun was $400 1911 um, I've definitely experienced the different qualities in 1911s through friends that have better ones or better ones that I've purchased but I think that there's uh, when you start at the bottom what you really learn is appreciation uh, and you know, that saying, never forget where you came from, never forget where you started. Uh, you know, the, the kid that gets the Hellcat right at 16 years old at his first car, he's never going to appreciate anything in life. He's never going to realize what it is to, to work hard, um, to improve, to build upon what you've created a foundation with, even if that foundation is a high point. That's, that's actually a really sturdy, heavy, <laughs> heavy foundation because it's a heavy gun. That's um, being facetious there but uh i think it's important to have that appreciation because i will never look at somebody in the group and say why did you buy that ras 47 they didn't know they're like oh, i want an ak well how much can i have 450 dollars well century arms makes one i've heard good things about century well you've heard good things about is like the wasser 1063 or some of the other guns that century imports um but you don't know that you shouldn't buy the American, like the, cent the actual century made AK-47. Um, a lot of people just don't know. It it's being naive. And they're just trying to work with what they got, what they can afford, and, and try to make the upgrades, try to move on to the next thing. Um, and, that and that's where, I don't know where people come off in these groups that, that roast others, but really they should be trying to, to work on educating and being kind rather than trying to destroy somebody. I've left groups because NSR Tactical was one of them. Um, I was in that group for a long time and all they did was destroy people. 
that just wanted to show what they were carrying and people just roast them for their guns. It's like, nobody wants to be a part of that. So, so you're saying that you're not quite a BGE anymore, but you're not quite a WGE. Yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere <laughs> so, in the middle. I, so, I'm not, I haven't bought my scar 17. When you see the okay. scar 17, 17 okay. pop up, it actually be probably the scar 21 S at this point. Um, but that's uh, like $7,000. But so on, so no, on the, on, I'm not there yet. So on the pinky meter, you're not quite all the way up, but you're about halfway, maybe in a little bit. There right, you go. Yep, right there. No, I, I where I'm at is I upgraded from I upgraded from the Wishicon to the Trijicon. There you go. But I'm not quite at the uh, oh, what's the was it one optic the the what Raytheon makes it what is it it's like it's like a three thousand dollar um d something or other Raytheon makes an optic yes I am out of the loop me too, I am too. let me see here my Elcan my... yep okay the, the Elcan okay Spectre DR right Spectre sites oh Intel yeah, there's a rabbit. <laughs> yep, DRs, OSs. Oh boy, yeah, I never knew this existed. I don't think that there's anything wrong with the people who can afford that and buying that, but or or someone who can't afford that and that's what they dream about and that's what they want. I, I think that's excellent to to have dreams and goals and to want to move up, but. If you are one of the people who can afford that, you shouldn't be shitting on people who can't. You should be teaching and explaining and maybe letting people shoot it or letting people see it. And then they know, okay, well, this isn't for me. This isn't what I like. The eye relief is off. The This, I don't know. The older I get, the more I'm just like, dude, be kind to each other. But at the same time, don't mess with me because I'll put a bullet in your face. I mean, that, that RAS 47 will shoot until it blows up. But the thing is, it's going to shoot. <laughs> so, that, you know, that's what I did building my first AR. I mean, I spent three years um, piecing it together because I didn't want to, at the time, buy junk. And, you know, that thing's been rebuilt three times or I shouldn't say rebuilt, but I've changed it a lot of stuff on it three times or so. Um, but it's got a bunch of Novesky parts and, you know, it took three years to build and I love it. It's probably my go-to battle rifle, but since I've built other ones, it's kind of like, wow, well, an Anderson lower does the same thing that a Novesky lower does just holds a trigger. <laughs> you bolt a grip to it so you know the the evolution of that whole thing and mindset would i trust the anderson lower yeah but if i'm grabbing one out of the safe to defend the house and the property or whatever it's going to be that you know the noveski that has the five to seven thousand rounds through it and is proven and you know probably a little bit better quality but you know, like I said, that was kind of the, the blood, sweat, and tears and three years of, you know, researching and 
do I really want to buy this bolt? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a little bit more expensive, but I guess I'll wait another month and buy it. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset. It's a different mindset. Yeah. But yeah, that, that bolt it's coated in nickel. Yes. It looks amazing. It does. <laughs> it does look amazing. And, well, but you know, the big thing on the selling point on that is cleaning it. You know, the first AR I have is just, you know, you got to scrub on it and, and soak it and, you know, to clean it, that, that nickel boron, man, you spray it and wipe it with a rag and it's done. Throw it back in the gun. <laughs> wire I, brush works every time. <laughs> Dishwasher and wire brush. <laughs> I, I still think in which piecing a rifle together and doing that, that's great. You got exactly what you wanted. You got a high quality build when it was done. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going and buying a completed Palmetto State Armory or buying, you know, a Palmetto State lower that's complete and throwing an Anderson upper on top of it and saying that's your rifle. There's nothing wrong with either way. Where people really screw up and my humble opinion is they fight over that. There's no reason to fight over that. I mean, I don't know. It just, I, I think that a lot of the prepper stuff that we fall for is never going to happen. I, and, you know, I, I, I still prep because I still believe prepping is important. I still stockpile ammo because I believe stockpiling ammo is important. But I'm starting to see as the older I get that it's less likely that I'm going to be able to use that 100,000 rounds that I've got saved up or I'm going to be less likely to be able to, you know, as you get older, and which I'm not old, but, you know, I'm older than several of the guys in the group. I'm in my 40s. Most of you guys are in your 20s and 30s, most of the listeners. There's a few that are older than me. And, you know, those that are older than me have been doing this longer than me and have more than me. But what my personal opinion is, is that realistically, I'm going to be mid-40s this year. I got 20 years, 20 fighting years left. When I'm mid-60s, I'm hoping to be in good shape. I'm hoping to be able, but you're not going to be able to hold your own against a 20-year-old. Just the nature of the beast. Time is going to win. So as the older I get, the more I'm like, the more I start feeling it's less likely that I'm going to need all of this. I still have all of this just in case. I still train off all of this because I still believe it's me and mine before you and yours and i'm going to be harder to kill than you expect that's the reason why i go to the gym that's the reason why i work out that's the reason why i ride bikes that's the reason why i do all of this is because i want to prolong those fighting years but there's going to come a point in time where you're going to have to be the old guy who tells everybody you guys escape through the back i'm going to hold them at the door and you sit there and you shoot and you shoot and you shoot while everyone gets away and then you get blown up it's just, I mean, if it ever comes to that, that's what happens. You, you end up becoming sac sacrificial if you live long enough. Speaking of, the, I, I okay, <laughs> I was gonna say, speaking of the the old guy that's in fit to fight, 
I was going to ask you, Eric, if you wanted to share that story that you told me of your one of your guys at your work and your little uh, yeah, introduction one, to him. Yeah, one of the guys that works in my department. Uh, uh, he's one of our uh, Franklin Industries uh, plate operators, but he <laughs> uh, he is sixty three years old. He's uh, talking about retiring at the end of this year, maybe giving it one more year. Um, but we were at a, I was, I was doing a startup meeting for, for my department and uh, my supervisor was sitting there. Uh, just, it was my first time running it. You know, I was the new hire and hadn't really met any of my guys before. Well, my supervisor said something that kind of set off this one plate operator and he goes, he's like, it's like, hey, you just, he like, he threatens my supervisor. <laughs> he goes, you just think about this. He's like, I don't know what you did this weekend, but this weekend I sat in my recliner in my underwear loaded in AR mags. So you just might want to watch your mouth before you start talking to us like that. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Who is this guy? And so the more I find out about him and start talking to him, he's like this huge prepper. He's got, oh, jeez. He's one of these guys that you hear about in the news. But when he dies, he had 60,000 <laughs> rounds of ammunition and over like 400 guns. That is this man to a T. Um, he said he doesn't know how many guns he has. He lost count after 200. Um, he said he probably has over at least 30,000 rounds of ammo, but he buys 1,000 rounds every month. And he's been doing that for the last 20 years. So... I mean, you start doing the math on this. And what's funny is that his one son is a school teacher in Vietnam and his other one lives in California and is a hardcore liberal. <laughs> so he has nobody to leave any of this stuff to. So I've been trying to make friends with him real there quick. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he collects vintage World War II uh, Nazi memorabilia. Um, so he's interested in anything that's like German or Italian. He's actually brought a few pieces in and showed me. He's got a Nazi flag topper that's got the uh, silver eagle on top with the uh, red swastika banner. Um, he's got a few like officer pins and things like that, but he loves World War II. He loves guns. So we start hitting it off. And so while we're talking, he just drops to the ground and starts doing push-ups. <laughs> I'm like... What are, you, what are you doing? Am I supposed to get down there with you? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and this guy knocks out 100 push-ups without even breaking a sweat or being winded. And I come to find out that he does probably somewhere between 400 to 600 push-ups a night at work. 62 years old. And now, people have funny builds. You know, somebody kind of like this, their shape, you know, it looks funny. And it's usually for various reasons. Uh, the most common one in Indiana is obesity. Everyone's overweight because they eat a lot of cheeseburgers and we like our fast food. But I think we're like the number one state for obesity, which is why I said that. However, this guy was, you know, we all wear these big baggy work jeans. So I don't really know if he's, if he does anything for leg day, but knocking out 600 push-ups a night for six days in a row i asked him i was like why do you do that and he said well 
because if the revolution ever starts, he's like, I want to be fit enough to participate. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to be the old guy that has to sit it out. He's like, I want to say, yeah, I'm coming too. And so he, he still works out at 62 years old uh, because he wants to participate when we overthrow the government. So it's on one end, this guy's a little bit crazy. And on the other, it's respectable. That's, that's what a lot of us should be working towards. And I Heck, try. Yes. I mean, I don't want 200 guns. I, don't get me wrong. I would love to have 200 guns. But if you've got that many guns, you can't be trained and proficient on that many guns. I would a lot rather have 10 guns that I'm 100% proficient on. And I would rather have twice the amount of ammo and food that he does instead of all the extra guns. Uh, or instead of all the extra guns, night vision and all the cool guy gear like that. But I have been preaching in the Facebook group on Discord. I put up three or four workouts every week on there. And I'm telling people, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying. It's going to be much easier on you young pups than it is on me. You guys should be smoking me at this. You know, there's no way that, you know, it's just, you guys, all of you guys need to work on you. You are the number one tool that you've got. And if your number one tool is jacked up and doesn't work right, you need to figure out a way to make it work right. Whether if you have a physical element that won't allow you to do exercise A, learn exercise B. But I don't know. I, I just, I've been trying for months to get you guys to, to pick this up and to do it. You know, I talk about it all the time. I make all the little videos on my bike. I quit doing that for Facebook because no one watched them. But I'm like, damn it, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep putting my workouts out on discord and if you do them you do them work at that if you don't want to do what i do i'm hoping i guilt you into doing something it, and even if you inspire one person it is 100 worth it yeah and i'm hoping to get to those higher uh push-up numbers i'm up to uh 240 a day every wednesday wednesday is my push-up day I go to the gym Monday, I go to the gym Tuesday, I push up Wednesday, Thursday I go to the gym, Friday is a rest day, Saturday is a bike day, Sunday is a rest day. That's good stuff. Uh, I think I might start doing push-ups with him, even if it's just the 10 I can muster out um, before he retires and maybe I'll be the, the crazy guy doing push-ups on the ground in the middle of the shift. Just get to where you can do 10 an hour. That, that's where I started, 10 an yeah. hour from the time I, I started work until the time I went home. And if yeah. you get behind an hour, you just knock out 20. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And if you've got a place on the line or, or out in the floor where you can do it and you, you know, do them there. If you're worried about people seeing you, I don't know if your work has them or not, but like my work has a bathroom that, you know, you can like lock the door and you're the only one in there. So you could always like go into the bathroom, lock the door and do your push-ups there. I mean, it doesn't have to be something that people see you. If you can't do regular push-ups, do, you know, the, the knee on the ground push-ups, do something. You know, if you're really into prepping and if you're really into that lifestyle of trying to be a hard elm effort to kill, then you need to be doing something to make yourself hard to kill. Amen to that.
uh, it's just to me it's remarkable like he's he's a pretty cool dude and i don't think people appreciate him enough um but like he just he doesn't care what anybody else thinks and he just does what he wants to do and screw you if <laughs> if you're gonna mock him for it a lot um, of that a lot of that comes with getting older i mean like i said i'm only in my 40s i'm not really old by today's standards but when i now in my 40s I give a way less shit about what people think than I did in my twenties. You know, in my twenties, it was like, am I wearing the right shoes? Do my pants fit right? Is this a cool t-shirt? You know, how's my hair look? Now I'm like in my forties. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm bald. I got gray in my beard. I'm going to go do my thing. You can come with me and do it if you want. Well, Amen to that. speaking of not caring about what people think, Eric, would you like to bring a segment over to <laughs> over to the Aftershock podcast from the Wasted Ammo sure. podcast? Uh, stuff stuff nobody cares about. <laughs> last week, last week, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian finalized their divorce. Really? Yep. Didn't notice. <laughs> That's because nobody cares. Right. <laughs> See, all, all this has just been to warm them up so I could get that in, in one of our episodes. So <laughs> we can end it right now. That's it. We're done. Everybody have a good night. <laughs> no, we are on two hours. <laughs> yep. Yep. Time well, goes so fast on these podcasts. Uh huh. Ladies and gentlemen, right. BGEs and WGEs. Yeah, <laughs> WGEs. <laughs> well, there has to be like a if we have broke gun enthusiasts and wealthy gun enthusiasts, like where's the middle class at? Uh, MGEs. No, that's too close no, to machine gun. So you have the broke, the wealthy, the hmm. I need some listener participation on that one. Yeah, <laughs> might have to. So, <laughs> when, the, the, when, the just when making it, <laughs> the just making, just it. making it, gun enthusiast, gun <laughs> broke enthusiast, yeah. broke. I don't, I don't know. Is struggling, struggling, <laughs> struggling's above broke, but not quite wealthy. So, I don't know. Would struggling be below broke? I'm struggling to just get by. Now I'm broke. <laughs> and between that is, I don't know, happy gun enthusiast. There you go. Because I can actually uh, happy, buy there something. You go. The content gun enthusiast. Uh, yeah, the content. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> This thing Thanks. is a freaking, it's a beast, man. It is so freaking big. But it's actually really smooth. I'm thinking there's a, a company, uh, oh, EGW. They make a little plate that you push out the rear side and push this plate in, and then you can put an RMR on it. I'm thinking about doing that to see if I would like actually having an RMR on it. Because I think I would, 
but I don't want to put all the money of having a 1911 milled until I know that I would like it. So you know you're not going to sell it? Oh, there's always an option that that'll happen. My, my theory is... on it... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, my theory on it is, like David said, they're tools. Sometimes a tool doesn't work for you. Sometimes you might want to try that new snap-on and, you know, you might have to sell your craftsman to get the snap-on. So that's just kind of how I look at it. So the only gun, the, the two SBRs, which, I mean, honestly, it's not even hard to make them not SBRs anymore. All you have to do is write a letter and send it to the ATF, and then it's not an SBR. So, I mean... It's not hard if I wanted to sell these. That's all I would have to do. Uh, but those are the guns that, you know, I, I said I thought about selling the AK when this ban happened. And if the ban goes on three, four, five years and ammo becomes non-existent, then I will look at selling the AK. But until then, my AK and my AR, SBRs are what I'm keeping. All of these, this, my Glock, where's it at? It's here somewhere. It's over too far to reach. My Glock 48, as much as I like a Glock 48, if something comes up better or something I think will be a better suited tool for me, I'll sell the Glock 48 and get what I think is going to be better. The problem is I'm not always right. I think this new tool is going to be better, but it doesn't work. Now you're going to show me that sexy Beretta. I just saw the tip of it. All I saw was the tip. <laughs> That's all, all you, I saw was the tip. That's all he wants to give you. Just the tip. I know. Right, just there the you tip. Go. There you go. A little peek. <laughs> better watch out only fans here i come (laughs) (laughs) but this is what i'm running now so i went to uh langdon tactical and i got the rmr slide i actually bought two of them um one's the they're both compact slides uh so this is actually the compact slide on the m9a3 frame um then I've got the Trijicon RMR on top and my Streamlight at the threaded barrel. So I got the, uh, from Beretta, the beveled magwell and then the extension, two round base plate extension on it. But it's a heavy beast, but it is one of the most comfortable guns to shoot. I just love it. But this is, I'm reaching for this and the AK and that's, <laughs> Those are my two go-tos. I, I still haven't gotten this one 100% vetted since I had problems with the extractor. Not always grabbing the round and throwing it out. So until I get this one vetted, I'm 100% Glock 48. And honestly, I keep the AR next to me in bed at night. Well, not next to me. It's on my nightstand. So uh, the just because it's... Not that it's set up better, but it was it's just been easier to have as a bedside than my AK. Uh, so, honestly, right now, if something happened in the middle of the night, it would be a Glock or it would be the AR. But I'm getting uh, – probably going to be switching the AK and it out here shortly. It's just lately with the, the optic and with the flashlight and everything and the, uh, the suppressor – it's been easier on the a- AR, but I got everything vetted today. 
I got my optic zeroed. Flashlight's good. Suppressor I know works good with the new uh, comp or not comp, but muzzle brake. So either one, I think I could trust either one, but I can't trust this one yet. That's the prettiest I, one. Not until I get. I need to get about another four hundred rounds through it, three hundred rounds through it, and I'll believe it. But until I get that number, I just, I, I don't know. It's fun. This is, a, I mean, smooth. Oh, it's smooth. It's heavy. It's really heavy. It's like four and a half pounds loaded. A big old double stack, 18 round, nine mil. So uh, on, on April 1st, Beretta played a cruel April Fool's joke where they posted a picture of just like the silhouette of a 92 and teased that it was in 10 millimeter and coming soon. <laughs> okay. And okay. I, I, I totally fell for it. I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is going to be the end all be all. And I'm going to trade in every Breda 92 and buy three of these things <laughs> and um, wasn't paying attention to the date. And then I even sent a picture of it to like Steve and Kyle. And I was getting all excited about this thing. And then uh, I started thinking about it and I looked in the comments <laughs> and people were laughing about it and uh, saying that it was like an April fool's joke. And it was just a, it was just a teaser and it wasn't real, but now I think they're it is, but now I think there needs to be one. Yeah, definitely. Like they put they put the idea out there. Like yeah, they're make, they're putting, make it happen. They're putting the feelers out to see if there was interest. You, you think that's what it was? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, why not? Uh, it wouldn't definitely. be hard. It wouldn't be hard to go from a ninety six right, to a ten millimeter. Count. Yeah, it's already on forty, so it just needs to be a little bit longer. So all they would have to do is change the inside diameter of the magazine well. And on a standard 92, if I remember right, they're kind of thick. There should be enough room if you mill yeah, out the inside of both. I'm almost wondering if there's conversion kits. I just haven't looked at it yet. But I haven't heard of anybody doing it. But I, the 96 would be interesting to look at. I think you'd have to take a 96 and you're going to have to remount the magazine well. And yeah, then you're going to have to... I don't, have know. To, yeah, it, I don't know a single place that would make magazines for it though either well i mean breda can uh, do it they would just have to change it, it would be easy to do for them i can't remember yeah. how much longer a 10 is than a 40 but it is longer yeah there might anyway, not be it, enough room it needs to happen yeah <laughs> <clears throat> We need a, a lot of stuff in 10 millimeter. I want I want to do a 1911 in 10 mil. I haven't got to, I, a buddy of mine, he had a one I got to shoot and I only got to shoot very little and it was pretty cool. But rock I Island makes 10, one, don't they? Yeah, that's what he had was a Rock Island. Uh, but I said, I only got to shoot like two mags through it. But I would like to, I'd like to try a, a 10 mil 1911 with an RMR. Something about, I don't know, I've gotten to where I just love freaking an RMR on everything. 
I'm still getting, I'm still getting used to it. I, I'm not fully adapted to this one yet. Like I've been doing a lot of dry fire trying to get it, but I remember it wasn't, I mean, like Steve probably went through several hundred rounds before he was actually able to start to get that red dot every time right where he wanted it. Yeah, it does. It takes a little bit of learning, but the, uh, the RMR that you've got on your AK, I seriously, today, I listed this one locally saying I was looking for an RMR because I was thinking of doing the exact same thing you did, putting an RMR out there on my Ultimat. I mean, it's, I wasn't just blowing smoke and telling you, I think it's pretty. I mean, that, that was one of the plans <laughs> I had yeah. just because this is yeah. so heavy. And when you add this with the suppressor, it just, it gets, it throws the whole balance off because I don't have an actual stock. It's just a wire stock. It throws right. all the weight out here and it just, uh, it feels wonky then. But if I run it unsuppressed, the balance changes because I mean, that's over a pound. Right. And it's a little nose heavy even still, but I don't know. I think it's a, a great idea that you've done. And like I said, it's my plan as well. If I can find one at the right price until then, this little Attaball hasn't been bad. I've got a few thousand rounds through it. And I can't remember. I think someone said Attaball either makes Vortex or Vortex makes Attaball or they're made in the same place. Something, I don't know. Or might not oh. even been Vortex. I can't remember. But I like this because it's one AAA battery. I've had it for two years. And I'm on the same battery. But I also took it off for about a year while I ran this. It'll be a year in October that I ran this on it. So, so almost a year of that two years, it just sat in the freaking gun safe. Did you make some more videos with the AK today, Bo? No, I just did a real quick range session to double check zero, make for sure that there was nothing wrong with the the uh, muzzle device and that it would all coincide and work with my suppressor. So I shot a half a mag of subsonic and a full mag of supersonic and had zero issues. And then uh, I just confirmed my zero on the AR. I shot 15 rounds out of it just to confirm a buddy of mine he got a new pistol and he was wanting to go out and side it in. And that was what we were mostly doing. I took this out, fired 50 rounds, 60 rounds through it. Took my Glock, fired 25 rounds through it. Just a familiarization, present dot, slow squeeze, trigger, all of that. Nothing tactical, nothing cool. No running and gunning. We ready to call it a night? Yeah, I think so. I'm ready to go lay down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I gentlemen, I enjoyed it as always. Yeah, Appreciate likewise. having you guys I, on. 
I miss this. We missed you too. We'll just put your Thanks. name on it so that way everybody just everybody will listen to it. So <laughs> <laughs> I know this yeah. guy. Get our numbers up. <laughs> I I think that David and Mr. Pixel are doing great trying to keep the uh, tribe alive that you guys built. Um, yeah. Nothing but kudos to you guys. I mean, I, I mean that for real. That's why I'm always willing to help any way I can. Um, but we do miss you, Eric. Everybody does, I believe. Everybody misses you and Steve. Nothing, not not yeah. to take anything away from Pixel no, or, I, or David. No, I, I appreciate you guys for keeping this going. Um, I feel like I'm living vicariously through you both. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's crazy being in another season of my life um, that doesn't allow for a whole lot of my hobbies and passions and it's it's sad but also in another way it's i wouldn't say moving on but it's just what i need to do for the time being mm -hmm. um i think it's going to get me to the ultimate goal of where i want to be at and hopefully you know in the next five or ten years i'll be retired and can actually enjoy my hobby and yep. podcasting again and uh you know i i'm anxious to see where you guys take this thing uh but the, the community is still there. Uh, I see that there's less people participating. So it's kind of coming down to like the inner circle. Um, maybe this is just a long-term uh, tribal tryout and see <laughs> who actually sticks around and who be, would be worth it um, at the end of it. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, anytime you guys um, would like to have me or you think there's a, a topic that I could help out with or, you know, be value added, um, just reach out and we'll make a date. So I, I love doing this stuff. I love talking guns and I honestly, I don't get to do enough of it anymore. So most of the time I just end up talking to Bo on my way to work real quick and be like, Hey, <laughs> what's what I run this idea by. Uh, so, but no, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing and, and thank you for doing it. Um, yeah. Hundred percent. Podcasting is a labor of love. Um, you know, it's it's not very often that the juice is worth the squeeze. So uh, it's it's definitely um, take some guys with a good heart. That's that's the two of you for sure. I mean, heck, you guys got patches out about five years ahead of what we did. So <laughs> you're already on the right path. <laughs> and and the patches had Velcro on them. <laughs> Well, you, what is that to say? Uh, intelligence is learned from your own mistakes, but wisdom is learning from the mistakes of others. So, yes. <laughs> I'm intelligent. You are wise. <laughs> that's a that's a two way. I'm just some asshole on the internet. <laughs> that's a two way street, Eric. If you have something, topic or something you want to talk about too, just hit us up. Yeah, uh, I think we kind of touched on one tonight and I wanted to elaborate on it, but we moved on to something else. But um, Bo talking about, you know, why why do we prepare? Um, is, it, is it all for nothing? Um, you know, honest, honest conversation about preparedness as a whole. Um, who's going to get all of your stuff when you die? Uh, I've, been, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. And... You know, what if Hunter grows up and he doesn't, he's not into guns or he's not into preparedness, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of a thing. Um, so 
a good topic for another time i think yeah well yeah. you you end up with another free evening in a year or so and you want <laughs> <laughs> at your rate <laughs> yeah. and um i just added it to the list of of ideas so we can always kind of reserve that for another time if that's something you really want to get into and then we can have a sure a discussion the next three-day weekend i have is memorial day weekend so. there you <laughs> <laughs> no i i should have some time off coming up on the holidays here um yeah i know we get black friday off as well as thanksgiving so that'll be a four-day weekend coming up in november um but well i mean i don't i don't work saturday nights uh, so that's usually a good one, but usually Saturday nights are usually a date with the wife or family yeah. time of some kind. Well, so, yeah, obviously. Um, but if she ever ends up like driving to her sister's in Ohio with all the kids for one weekend, I'm, I'm a go. bachelor. Um, I can come over your place yeah. or you can come over yeah. to my place. I, I have good internet. Yeah. Um, I'll advertise <laughs> that. Never did this until, until, well, it did it last time, but not as bad as tonight. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that, just, that just makes me more excited to listen to the episode because I missed like about probably a quarter of it. So <laughs> it'll be new to me too when I listen to it before we, we post it because I always listen to yeah. it. And, well, I got I to gotta do the intro and outro to it too. So yeah, it'll be, be almost like a, a, like a new episode because I wasn't here for part of it. <laughs> it's always like a new episode for me because I don't hear it for like a month later and I'm uh -huh. like, Oh, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> I sound really I smart. Sounded, yeah, that was a really smart thing. I had somebody reach out to me one time. Uh, it was about a month ago. And they were like, hey, on episode 97, you said blah, 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 blah. What did you mean by that? And I'm like, dude, how far? Wow. About, like that? You're like five years behind, man. <laughs> Jeez. And so I was like, well, let me go back and listen to the episode. And, you know, it was... All that stuff's still out there. I mean, yep. some of it's outdated, but some of it's still relevant. But it's it's kind of fun to go back and listen to the journey I've been on. But you know, I, I look forward to being able to contribute through you guys too. And um, yeah, just thank you for keeping it rolling. I'm sure everybody will be happy to hear from you. So I'm good. So you're probably not going to hear from Steve until he's on a sailboat somewhere in the Pacific. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably <laughs> not even then. Living the pirate life. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's like he and I were talking when I went and dropped off his patch. I guess they get the they get Starlink going, then he'll have internet on his boat. So then we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, but one one Starlink goes active, that's a little too close to something else going active. <laughs> what the uh, oh. the computer chip Steve's gonna put inside of his brain so he can operate his Tesla truck? Well, I was just thinking Starlink sounds a lot like Skynet. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the I'm sure the PR meeting for that one was like, all right, guys, we've really got to be careful with what we call this. <laughs> what if it's a net that covers the sky? <laughs> Bad idea. Yeah. Bad idea. Okay, what about stars covering the sky? <laughs> uh all right guys thank you very much uh for for having me yeah um, thank here. you guys too and let's let's do this again soon yep let, let us know, know. Right.
Take it easy, guys. Bye, right, everybody. Спасибо за внимание, уважаемые пассажиры.